Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. So I could toot Sarah Huang's horn all day long. I'm such a fan. Um, I joined a group of hers that she did on Power, and more recently joined another group that she just did on Sanctuary and Play. She is a master facilitator. She facilitates conversations inside large organizations, small organizations, between diverse folks across sexual and racial identity. And she really helps people consider big questions that will help them be more impactful leaders that are power wise and that actually creates a collaborative, co creative space to really find common language, really face common challenges. And she's magical because she. She combines play and deep listening, and we talk together a lot about deep democracy here in our conversation. All I can say is if you get a chance to be in a group that Sarah facilitates, take the chance because she's just magic. I don't know what else to say. So Sarah Huang, she is the founder of a group called Bureau Twist, helping organizations get things done, but to do so by collaborating. And um, yeah, get ready to play, kind of connect some of this stuff to parenting too, which was kind of a fun surprise in our conversation. Um, Oh, and I wanted to say she is from China, but now living in the Netherlands. So she also speaks lots of different languages too, which I also swoon over. Sarah Huang. You know, it was so exciting for me to have you on, Sarah, is I've been tooting your horn since I met you. I think I brag about you. Maybe I just need someone to idealize right now in this really hard time. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I idealize you, so I'll just say it out loud. I thought that group that you led for the Art of Hosting, well, that I heard about through the Art of Hosting community, Mm-hmm. where it was this amazing intersectional group of people from all over the world talking mm-hmm. about power. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing wasn't just that it was a global group. I also liked that there were so many ages. So often yeah. you'll have like this wide range of identity diversity, but not age diversity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I felt like the um, the older folks on that call had so much to offer us younger folks. Yes, indeed. So, oh, so mm-hmm. and and that some of our sidewalk talk listeners already you're having Sarah Wong on. And I'm like, you know Sarah? They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who yeah. knows me? I, I know from the building belonging um, community oh. is mm-hmm. how they know you. So, can we, you know, tell people a little bit about who you are, all your identities, and your work in the world to share a little bit about yourself? 
Oh, wow. Do you have like the most uh, difficult question in the world for me is always <laughs> so like, who are you? And um, so, yeah, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm living in the Netherlands. I've been here for whew, almost 30, 31 years now. And um, I was born in Taiwan. And actually, that's also maybe how the seed was planted with yeah. uh, deep democracy, what I'm practicing right now, process work, and also with the folks of building belonging. I grew up in a household with two parents who barely speak to each other. Mm. So I grew up with conflict. And it's like I, was, I, I grew up with my mom would say to me, I'll tell your dad this. And my dad will say, well, tell your mom that. So I was very aware of conflict in the room. And I, I could just remember being a child that you turn that key and you enter this room and you can just smell it. You can smell what kind of day it's going to be. I didn't have any tools to, to deal with those conflicts. So this sense of not belong anywhere has been, I think, already at the age of maybe five or six that I felt like, okay, this is my family, but I don't really belong. So who, who am I exactly? Hmm. Um, I was, um, so we came here with my parents. They left quite early when I was 17. They went back to Taiwan. Uh, and I was the only child. So I was left here alone, no family, just friends. Um, and I think it, in a way it was a blessing because there was no authority telling me what to do. I just kind of like felt my way in the world in that age of 17, not really knowing. And I wouldn't say in a compass, but just kind of like, jump at things and then not having a lot of money you would say but having a lot of opportunity being a european citizen um just grab the chances and 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 see however it's gonna turn out yeah um and afterwards i uh, studied public administration i become a civil servant uh civil servant the public sector is quite a white uh a bubble you would say White, W-H-I-T-E, uh, or Y-W-I-T-E, yeah. white. Ah, white. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was very used to being the only, mostly the only person of color in the mm -hmm. room. Um, and also having to, to deal with that. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that those are a few of my identities, you would say, and their threats. Through it all is I have experienced um, a lot of privilege and I've also experienced what it is like to be in a marginalized mm -hmm. um, position in that context. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's a, like a small <laughs> version of answer to your question, who is Sarah, what is she doing? And why is she doing the work that she's doing? So I want to sort of 
have you become aware that we're new to some of these concepts, mm-hmm. some of us? Mm-hmm. Um, or if we're not, I love hearing people's definition. Tell us what deep democracy is to you, this Ooh. work of deep democracy. I love your framing. What is this to you? Um, and it really speaks to my heart because um, I think also coming from the question of um, being brought up, um, being this system of that, there's like a good or the right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've come to realize it's more of a, it's not what does it mean, but what does it mean to me? So what's mm-hmm. my answer? And by being in touch with my answer, my truth, I can listen to other perspectives without being cling to it. Like, oh, this is the truth. In a mm-hmm. way. So deep democracy for me, just the word. So if you really believe in democracy as in power to the people, mm-hmm. as in that we need, we want, we yearn for a structure where there is inclusion and that we embrace all the diversity, uh, not as a goal, but just as a fact. Diversity is here in the everyday. Everything Mm -hmm. is changing. Um, So really to embody the democracy, it means going deep. It Mm -hmm. means letting go of a few things. And that is the first one has to do with the deep that I think and therefore I am is not everything. As I said, we yeah, we feel rather than think our way into the world. So mm-hmm. in my practice of deep democracy, I had to let go of that idea of I'm just my head, I'm my body, I'm my heart. Sometimes as I said, that little girl entering the room, I don't know why, but I feel something. I don't have words for it yet, and I can voice it. And that is honoring the diversity that there is. So different experiences, even though when it's in a democracy, maybe we have facts, we have figures, but we also have emotions. So this doesn't feel right. I don't know why. Hmm. Or someone maybe... um, you will say it's the, the, the one that's crazy, uh, you know, uh, flamboyant, uh, the village uh, 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 crazy ones or whatever, but really listen to that of, hey, what are you seeing? What are you adding? Mm-hmm. Um, so emotion, um, embracing, um, and also seeing the interconnectedness of it all. Mm-hmm. Just like diversity is a part of life, that um, polarization is also a part of life. And it's our need to control that we want to keep things stuck. Then mm. you become polarized. Mm-hmm. Because... Like I'm now doing a lot of conversations on race uh, within the public sector. And if I am so deeply convinced that I am not a racist, everything that comes to in that realm, I'm gonna 
I'm going to defend because I'm not a racist. I'm going to push. I'm not. I don't want to hear about it. But if everything is interconnected, then it's up to me to do the inner work and realize just to search even like with 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 the light, like where is the racist in me? Mm-hmm. And if I can embrace that in a way of okay, part of it has to do with how maybe I was programmed,、mm-hmm. uh, what I what other people thought I should see the world, and now being aware of that, how can I do it differently?、Mm-hmm. So that's、mm-hmm. deep democracy to me of emotions or experience matter. Uh, embrace diversity and embrace the polarities,、mm-hmm. and to really see the conflict, and that that is in the practice the the most difficult thing to do was to let go of my idea of harmony. That everything has to be, you know, everybody's getting along, and we're just, we're having a nice dinner, and we don't have to talk about the hard things. But to really embrace conflict is actually a breakthrough. Of things are clashing, things are stuck, and how can I get it、uh, untangled、mm-hmm. to grow again?、Mm-hmm. How's that resonate、I'm, for you? I, I feel like I'm licking an ice cream cone right now. <laughs> How so? Which flavor? Mmm, <laughs> mint chocolate chip.、Uh, well, there's just so many. So, what I am aware of that's happening for me is that I believe everything that you're saying intellectually, and I haven't quite integrated it into my bones yet. Like I'm not living these truths. I still think sometimes I'm moving from the head. I still don't think I've let go of harmony. Sometimes I wonder: Do I have the resilience to live in this land of conflict in the way that I think you do so well? So whenever I call you or leave you a voice memo, I'll say, "Hey, Sarah," you know, and I'll usually drop some little negative thing that I'm wrestling with, and you'll usually come back with, "Oh," and you'll give me some beautiful metaphor that's like an invitation for me to hang out longer with whatever that thing is I'm wrestling with, right?、Mm-hmm. So as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah, 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 totally agree intellectually. And、mm-hmm. then there's this hunger for, and I really want that on the inside of me.、Mm-hmm. I want that on the inside. I want the capacity to fully embrace my emotions、mm-hmm. rather than push,、mm-hmm. right? And so I'm, I'm, yeah, and so I'm there, and and I'm, and that's okay. That's great that I'm aware of that. I I also was reminded of I, I had actually this is strange, you know. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. People really love to pick on this man,、mm-hmm. um, and he has a lot of pick-on worthy behaviors. But、mm-hmm. where I've been interested, and I wrote a piece about this four years ago that really pissed off a lot of my liberal friends, said、mm-hmm. we need to find the Donald Trump that lives inside of us. Yes, because he's in there, and、yes. our vehemently need to pick on him all the time is a denial、mm-hmm. of something that lives inside of us. Yes. Because I was watching really brave, insightful therapists othering him in such a way, and I'm like, "How dare you?、Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have elected him as an electorate if he doesn't live in us." Yes. And our work isn't just to get out the vote and get a new president. Our work is to come face to face with how this guy is a part of our own psyche. Hmm. 
So true, Tracy. I'm Don't you so agree glad. with me? Oh, good. Yes, <laughs> I totally. really pissed a lot of people off with that piece. No, it's it's not it's not a popular statement. Uh, but it is it is a blind spot we need to see, and we cannot change what we don't know. And it's and also it's okay to have compassion for yourself and others when encountered with these blind spots, instead of beating your, yeah, yeah, I should have known. And that's why it's called a blind spot. But now we see it. (laughs) We can do something about it. Or you can just walk around the corner. And then it's, you know, that's what I always say within facilitation of, and now we know this. What does it bring us? How do we want to go from here? Mm-hmm. And if I say I want to change things, what do I need to encounter in me? And then maybe it's too hard today, but I maybe can do it to, to do it tomorrow from the growth mindset as well. Because I really don't, I think, and oh, I, I didn't mention this, but I think I want to acknowledge that on my path, there have been so many teachers, a lot of things I said, it's not from me, I don't know from who they are, you know, on my path of process work, all the podcasts I listen to. But I think in our path of embracing, a part of this is so much about embracing ourselves. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the psyche, the Donald Trump in me, uh, is sometimes when I'm the role of being a mother and I just want to get my daughter out to school. I'm like, no chatting, no, just get on, you know, your jacket. I don't want to hear about it because I'm the mom. And one of the sentences I always love, uh, and my daughter has been my biggest mirror in everything, is that when she, she's eight now, but she'll look at me and she'll say, can we start over? I'm like, yeah, can we start over? Did you uh, teach her that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think when you said that a lot of things, I understand it from the head, but I want to embody it. Yeah. That's, that, that resonate because I remember mm-hmm. um, being a mom wasn't my first choice, as in I, I had a rough childhood. In the sense of, I, I mean, of course, everybody, but I think I, I felt very alone growing up in a way. Um, more of the burden of the projections my, my mom had. And, and I remember when I was like, let's say 20, 21, I really thought of what's this archetype of mom? And maybe if you become a mother, you just kind of morph and shape shift and you get into this eager kind of even though if you don't want to you want to do things differently it just becomes you and i didn't want to i didn't want to do that to another human being um and but eventually i did become a mother uh and i thought oh maybe i can try i was so fortunate enough to get this child but i you don't get a manual when you get a kid you just kind of like and i hope i don't mess up and i (laughs) and i had this period of that 
I just didn't know what to do with myself. I had all these inner demons, all the things I want to do differently. And, and, and I just really didn't know how. And she was really hurting herself. So I think she was about four or five and she was really stretching herself and pulling her hair out. And I was really feeling the powerless of it, of like, I want to protect her, but she's hurting herself. So how do I do it? And that began the path of working with my own shadows mm. um, and then having conversations with her just this morning, like she was a bit tensed. And I said, okay, because well, I mean, we're in the Netherlands, so we're on a bike, you know, she's behind me. She has no ways to go. She has to listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. So it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Where can you feel the tension in your body? And, uh, and just, you know, just look at it. What kind of tension is it? Does it have a, a color? What age? And she's like, yeah, it's kind of purple and uh, with some uh, red spot. And I say, oh, yeah, just say hello. And she said, yeah, so I don't have to push him away, right? And no, 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 just there and just noticing where it is. Um, and then she said, yeah, and he's purple and he likes to jump around. And every time when he jumps, he's a squirt of red paint all over. And first he was in my heart, but that wasn't a nice spot. So I thought I negotiated and he can now sit in my uh, hoodie. So he did like, hoodie. <laughs> oh my God, she's doing stuff at, at eight. This was today. She's doing stuff at eight yeah. that, you know, I'm trying to teach psychotherapy clients at 50 how to do. <laughs> Incredible. But that's the embodiment in a way. Mm-hmm of I'm reflecting, just looking at her. And then I think also talking about the democracy of this involving process and just follow the flow and follow the process and also seeing um, the signals and, 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 and try to be at service in a way, mm -hmm. instead of saying, no, this is, this is how you should do it. And this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is my truth. And if this is my truth, then there is no room for your truth. I don't want to hear about it. So I want to reflect a couple things here. Um, as I listen to you, what's coming up in me is my own frustration with my own field of psychotherapy. Because mm -hmm. at times I find the therapeutic model is trying to take a person to a truth that has been preordained by some theorist. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And so. I mean, happily, I was, ra I was raised, I was raised as a therapist in an Eastern mm -hmm. influence school. So there's a lot mm -hmm. more space, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Once you begin to practice, you're beholden to an insurance arm that wants to medicalize the entire human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My experience when I speak to you is permission, to, the, the, the phrase that I would give is permission to encounter. Mm every time I talk to you and every time, no matter what's going on, you A, fix nothing for me. B, the experience of permission to encounter makes everything feel like I can put it in my hoodie. Yeah. Right? It's the permission to encounter mm -hmm. that gives me then permission to encounter diversity. Yes. Because the permission to encounter my inner diversity, not as a should encounter my inner diversity, 
it's very clear. It's not a should. I never feel that. It's mm -hmm. permission. Creates this lightness in my body, this mm -hmm. openness and receptivity. And what I've been playing with mm -hmm. is that, A, a lot of the reasons why I'm not receptive aren't just about my psychology. Mm -hmm. They're about something much, much bigger that has to do with all these cultural inputs and systemic inputs. Mm -hmm. And if I spend all this time making it about my personal psychology that I'm spending a lot of time navel gazing, not really mm -hmm. having an impact on society, not mm -hmm. saying that that stuff, I think it's super important to learn to regulate my nervous system, mm -hmm. but what, but the permission to encounter that you teach and that I experience mm -hmm. when I have connection with you Mm -hmm. regulates my nervous system. I always, and I'm like, she can leave. I'm like, how did she leave me a one minute voice memo? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I have permission to encounter all that. Oh, I, I mean, I really don't want to encounter it. I want you to just make me feel better and fix it. But <laughs> yeah, just do. fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's where I want to learn something from you or hear your thinking on this. It's hard for us to encounter ourselves and our inner diversity. Mm -hmm. It scares the poop out of a lot of people to do that. Yes. And then they are equally then very resistant. I don't care if you're on the right or the left. What mm -hmm. political? I think that in my community, liberals seem to think they have the, the corner on the market of empathy. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> you have all your own rigidities too. Um. What's in the way of us being able to encounter our inner diversity in a permissive, sweet way? I know it's a big question. There's no pressure to have an answer, but I know that you'll feel into it playfully. <laughs> I think while you're speaking, and, and thank you for the praise and thank you for mirroring back and... Uh, that's also a gift. So thank you for that. Uh, it soothes me and, yeah, relaxes me and makes me realize what my gift to the world is and what I would like to, to spread as well. So thank you. As you were saying, the image comes to mind like when you're swimming in water and mm. you're just doing your thing. And then this thing that you just notice of, oh, the water is changing, the temperature is changing, but actually you notice at first maybe by your muscle uh, that the tension and you're thinking, oh, maybe I'm just, I should swim, swim differently or I'm, but it's actually the water. So that has something also to do with the culture as well, the culture that you brought in, what's the norm. And I think the accountment with the diversity within us, that has so much to do with your definition of identity. Mm. So that's the fear of, but if I let go of that, where do I belong? Mm -hmm. And I think the fear of that, and if I don't belong here, who am I exactly? Mm. In what am I swimming if I don't have the water? Mm-hmm. And that for me is maybe looking back at my childhood, um, there was this moment that when my, so my parents left, uh, they went back to Taiwan because it was just wasn't possible for them to have 
to live here in the Netherlands to have an income. So I thought they're gonna gonna go back. And I remember my mom going uh, stepping in as and to the airport. And I was crying because my mommy was going, I don't want to cry. And she's like, don't cry. And I, and I remember that moment like, but if I don't cry, oh, oh, what am I doing? Exactly, You're leaving and you're telling me not to cry. And that yeah. moment of what is expected of me or what do I even do at this moment? Yeah. And then from then, I had accounted quite a few moments where I thought, so I don't belong anywhere. So the best thing I could do is just stand here and just be me. The best of I know how. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's what's in the way of... And that's maybe also complicated because it's so entangled, the identity mm-hmm. with the belonging... And also within the deep democracy, it's not either war or it's both ends. And really to hold that, that I am, as in deep democracy, I am scared and happy at the same time. And it's not a paradox. It just is. I am happy and sad. Um, And uh, one of the things my daughters also say is so nice, like, oh, people often think that I'm uh, just uh, shy, uh, but it's just like a color in the box. Uh, I do use red and blue a lot, but I also have something black. I just don't show it. Um, and we're so used to the projection of others that we're just red or green or yellow when I yeah. let go of that. What am I exactly? I don't even know how to draw with black or gray. Mm-hmm. And maybe reflecting on that, that's the innovation. And we learn by interacting. Mm-hmm. We learn by mirroring. So mm-hmm. in that path of, if I let go of that, I'm not sure how to draw with black and gray and we encounter others, we're like, hey, you know, just try a rock. Instead of, yeah, that's actually kind of stupid that you cannot even draw with black and gray. To have that curiosity, to lean into it, and to show the way without dictating the way. Without dictating the way. Yeah. Powerful. Identity. We cling to our identity. So I'm just going to bring this back to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, All the way, all the different identities that I might cling to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, White, mother, leader, wife, psychotherapist, um, good girl, pleaser. Mm -hmm. All these identities give me a sense of belonging and that I am going to fight tooth and nail to keep that identity with you. Mm -hmm. If there's something that you need from me that challenges my identity, Mm -hmm. if you need me to vote differently or show up differently or interact differently to make space for your identity, 
I'm going to push against you because I don't know how to color with those colors, what I hear you saying. Yes. And it might get pretty, it could get nasty if my sense of internal belonging isn't resilient enough. Mm-hmm. I might get quite, quite nasty with you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's so darn threatening to me. I might dehumanize you yes. to protect that belonging that I fear losing. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, thank you once again for mirroring and, and, and just giving it back. And I think the word that stuck out to me is dehumanizing. Mm. And I recently actually had an encounter of facilitating um, a conversation where there was an attack by one of the participants. And he, he kind of like just cut me up like, uh, gaslighting of yeah, your experience don't matter, and actually you're not doing a right job, you know, being a being facilitator. And I was quite triggered. And one of the things I did was it was in a I don't remember it was either in a Zoom or my MS Teams, but I pinned his video. And while I was speaking, I was just looking in his eyes, and then tracking just my breath, and then really try to empathize, like. This is also another human being. Mm. What is he feeling at this moment? Mm. Why is he saying the things that he's saying? And there's a part of me that's just triggered, that's trembling, that's just, (gasps) my heart was here. I didn't know what to do. But it's another human being and I'm Mm. safe here. And I'm here to hold space because I have the responsibility in the role of a facilitator to hold this space for others, to hold this space for me, but also to hold space for him. Mm-hmm. And how can we stay in this room together? Mm-hmm. And also, and, and at that moment, also looking for the oppressor in me. So am I really being ethical? Have I in any way, even with good intentions, because we know all know about the good intentions, about the impact? Yeah. How can I take my responsibility at this moment? But it starts with seeing him instead of someone to attack, like, oh, you did something to me, so I'm going to do something because I'm a facilitator, so I can now shut you off. I can literally mute you. I can cancel you. I can cancel you. I can walk away. But that is not the bigger picture here. The bigger picture is to have this awkward conversation. The bigger picture is to say what it does to me as a human being, but mm-hmm. also to take my responsibility. So I think eventually I said something like, if I can use my body as an instrument, I can't breathe. I find it difficult to listen to you. And I'm wondering that if we're having a conversation on race, if we're having a conversation on diversity, could it be possible that what other people say, even for 1%, that it could be true? Mm. And if we can make space for that, that would be my wish for now. And also I apologize to you if there's any way that I've misused my power as a facilitator that you feel that there wasn't space for you to say your truth. Thank you for showing me the way. And I'm sorry what I did. 
so I, I'm speechless. Um, that's like Ninja Warrior Bodhisattva <laughs> level. Um, it didn't feel you know, like that in that moment. Well, I'm going back to what you had just said earlier. You mm -hmm. know, what you were saying was the way that you're speaking to me is making it hard to breathe. It's making it hard for me to be a human. And I'm still, as a facilitator, going to be of service to my role of facilitator and hold space because perhaps I have a blind spot to some way. Yeah. Even I, and I'm assuming he's a white guy, even I, mm -hmm. as a brown, yellow girl, yeah. have somehow misoppressed you. Yeah. Which is also not very popular. Because no. I have a lot of diverse friends that, man, if a white guy says something like that, he's canceled, mm -hmm. you're out. And I have permission to become the oppressor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Whew, this is part of the problem. This is exactly what Audre Lorde was telling us not to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this is just changing roles. This isn't changing anything. Yes, indeed. Exactly. That is just changing roles. Because... The same dynamic keeps repeating. And that goes back to my uh, experience of being a pub public servant. I mean, people of color, so you have all those networks. And I remember being in this meeting room. I'm thinking, they're just different faces. It's just instead of a room of white people and some people of color, it's now a room full of room, uh, uh, people of color and a few white guys. But we're accusing the same things. Mm. That's not changing. Mm -hmm. So, and that comes back also to the water of the culture of mm -hmm. the oppressor is in the system. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. No, I, I have an inner rebel in me. I think that I have my own sort of marginalized identity as a woman. And so whenever I'm coming up against a, a, a white male academic. I just can mm -hmm. feel this like inner rebel. And I've really had to work with her. And I got into this tussle with this guy a couple of years ago. And boy, did he send me a nasty email and says, don't ever mention my name publicly. And you're a terrible person. And I said, I really mm -hmm. want to have a dialogue with you. And he says, I mm -hmm. can't have a dialogue with you. It's clear. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to say, no, this was my inner rebel that just wanted to change roles with you. Mm -hmm. But he didn't he couldn't, he was so, he's very attached to his yeah. Yeah. identity as a, yeah. as a famous intellectual. And mm -hmm. I was just too beneath him. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, but this is the problem, right? It's, this is about power. And we're both sort of clamoring for who gets to be in power. So mm -hmm. we're both wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'd really like to come to the table to, to acknowledge how we're both wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're, you're giving voice to. And I, I think I'm, I'm, boy, leading sidewalk talk has been, such an opportunity to look at that. I mean, there's so many nuances. I think the one of the hardest things for people that they don't understand is I can be sort of motivated to generate some revenue for the organization and they think it's mm -hmm. for me. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. it's sort of for me. It's so I can hire people to do a lot of stuff that I do for the organization for free that mm -hmm. I really don't have the capacity for. Mm -hmm. um, but there can be, because of the misuse of power and wealth, this assumption mm -hmm that I'm taking money and putting it in my pocket. I'm like, no, I'm taking your money and hiring people so that I can actually go kiss my husband and have dinner with my children instead of sitting online, <laughs> you know? 
But it's it's just a gesture you made. I'm opening up actually. I'm opening up to create space to do what I need to do instead of me being hard. So being oppressed as well as I'm gonna wanna open it because mm. this doesn't feel right. Mm-mm. This is just misuse, but then in another kind of form. And are we keeping it or do we really want to break through? Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest lessons for me, because I, I it so resonate with you with the nasty email and the white academic guy, is that also in the democracy of process work of just being patient with people. I cannot do this with er- not not with everyone. Mm. Some people... I don't have to cancel them, but I, I don't have to build bridges all the time. That's because right. Because I'll, I'll get burned out as well. I just have so many words. I'm going to, you know, save them. for. But just like when, when that day with facilitation, I don't want to look back with regret mm. of, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I, I, I embrace all kinds of learnings. But I don't want to say at the end of my, you know, being my deathbed of, I didn't dare. It was too scary. Okay. I know that we're near the end of our time, but I have one Mm -hmm. more question. What are the things that you have to do as a human every day to remain this? We've got a term at Sidewalk Talk that we use called our centered self. Mm-hmm. And the centered self is a self that embraces all of our parts mm-hmm. so that I don't have to act out my inner oppressor or my inner rebel that I can mm-hmm. choose to step into that if I want, because mm-hmm. I'm down, I'm down with all the parts. I think what is true liberation is when you're actually choosing to inhabit them. Yes, That's what I tell couples when I work with them. I'm like, you can be a tantruming child with your partner. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But they have to say, I'm open to that right now. Mm -hmm. I'm open to that encounter. And you have to be intentional about that right now. Mm -hmm. If it's on autopilot, then you're not free. You're oppressed inside. Mm -hmm. So how the heck do you remain in your centered self so that you can walk into these spaces that aren't always feeling so great to you, mm-hmm. facilitate them, mm-hmm. untangle them, and keep your wits about you. What do you have to do every day to sort of be cultivate that kind of resilience, Sarah? I'm just completely going to take notes and re-listen to this over and over <laughs> and over again right now. So, um, One of the things that I do on a daily basis is just Never underestimate the power of naming. Just maybe at this moment, oh, I'm feeling tensed. And that it can be there. I don't have to fix it. But just, okay, just naming it. Mm. Um, I, think, I think that's naming it without the urge to fix it. Just notice. And and, and give it space. That's also the diversity of deep democracy. It's there. It's mm. in the field. It's in the system. Just the conversation with my daughter. Hey, hi. So you're here. Good morning. You want to sit over there? Maybe you want to switch places? Just let me know. But you know what? We're going to negotiate though. If you're going to stay in my heart the whole day, that's not going to work for me. 
And within the space, um, now I can't remember who it was, but one of the podcasts I once listened to of a Aikido master, and she does embodied leadership, is that she says, just like with Aikido, whenever there's an attack, instead of you know like feeling it and really embodying it, just let it land on the floor. Oh, there it is. It's an arrow. It's a golden arrow. I don't need it now. And just to have it in the space as well, uh, to visualize it, and maybe to entangle it a little bit. It's not just me. It's not Sarah who is attacked. It's Sarah the facilitator. Mm. Oh, what is Sarah the facilitator doing? But while I'm being attacked, there's also Sarah with her experience of people of color. It's all kind of triggers, and that's also there. Just to see it, to visualize it, to name it, and to let it be—not for life, but just for now. Mm-hmm. Let it be. I mean, that's activism. Letting it be too. I mean, not an avo- letting it be is not the same as avoiding because you're naming it. You're looking it squarely in the eyes and saying, "I see you. I see you." Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I think I would add, "I see you." You have a message. I'm not sure what exactly, but I'm gonna find out.、Mm-hmm. But just give me some time. Oh, I love the "I don't know yet" part. <laughs> yeah, it's in the unknown. It's it 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 has to unfold.、Um, yeah, you have a lot of that permission giving to the unfolding energy. See, I have this like impatience. <laughs> And that's also needed. That's why we need it all. <laughs> and you always say stuff like that to me. Well, you're impatient. I told you. I said I'm really competitive. You're like, great. We need、yeah. more competitive women. And I'm like,、yeah. okay. Use that energy. <laughs> It's needed. <laughs> well, we have a ritual here.、Um, so for those of you that are going to hear this,、um, likely this is also going to be something that you know we'll have. We'll have you on our podcast. That we,、um, I'd like to give you the floor to speak directly to our listeners、mm-hmm. around the world, global group, not just Americans.、Mm-hmm. Either wisdom that you want to offer or a wish. So, not to me, to them. I will say, I don't know if it's a wisdom, but especially. These times of COVID, of literally being separated from others,、um, just the importance of listening, and while you listen, just tune into the other.、Um, imagine that you're there. Listen to the energy in the voice, and imagine what can you smell while you listen to those stories. To really bringing the senses, what can you almost feel, touch, and by embodying that, you'll feel the connection through the stories. Bring all those layers, and let it become alive between the one telling the story and the one listening to the story. Um. 
and that things come together, especially now. Mm. Hmm. I so appreciate the work that you do in the world and so grateful that I was lucky enough to, to sort of stumble into a facilitation and to be in your orbit, Sarah. Aww. And I'm just going to continue to toot your horn. Yeah, thank you so much, Tracy, for giving me the platform to share my story. And I was also so grateful how it took a pandemic for us to meet. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's quite dramatic, but that's okay. We can be drama queens, but I'm very (laughs) grateful for that. Meeting you, having you on my path, and I'm learning so much from you as well. So, and thank you for all your hard work. Um, and yeah, embrace that inner rebel. I love the, I love that rebel girl. It, you know, it's bringing a livelihood. We, we need that. <laughs> Ruffles some feathers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.